good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware. You're not cheating on your wife if you eat my lemon square. Your lemon squares taste like ass. And welcome back to Horror Queers. We're talking three-quarter scale Jesus. We're talking kitchen sink ghost mysteries. And we're talking Hello Modo. And I'm Joe. And I'm Trace, and we're talking one really gnarly exploding head effect. Oh my god, it's on par <laughs> with scanners, isn't it? Like, and so unexpected. Oh, 100%. I mean, it's it's cut to where it's like, it's not maybe as impressive as scanners, but that the, the aftermath of it is just, mm-hmm. whoo boy. So <laughs> everyone, we are talking 2014's Housebound this week as part of our underrated or underseen series that we are running for the beginning of 2022. And I gotta say, mm-hmm. I have a hunch this is gonna be in the underseen category. Indeed, yeah, we were talking about this off air. It seems like if people have seen this film, they often really, really like it. It's just that not enough people have seen it, which is one of the reasons why we picked it. Absolutely. But yeah, I I, I, I don't know about you, Joe. I haven't seen this movie actually since it came out. Um, This came out around the time I started writing for Bloody Disgusting. And so I... Mm-hmm. I Instead of doing a best and worst list that year, I did um, most surprising and most disappointing, which obviously is very subjective. But <laughs> <laughs> just a little, yeah. But I, yeah, this was one hundred percent of my most surprising because I remember, you know, it came out and there were a lot of really good reviews for it, but like it wasn't mm-hmm. being talked about. I feel like uh, right. in the, as much as it should have been. And yeah, I just. I found this so delightful. It's so charming. And honestly, mm-hmm. after the last two weeks of really heavy films, I'm looking forward <laughs> to this breather. <laughs> yeah, it's enjoyable that the only real content warning that we need to do is that a possum gets skinned on screen. So I guess content warning for animal cruelty. But mm-hmm. apart from that, like we're not dealing with sexual assault. We're talking about a horror comedy. There's a lot of funny stuff in here. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's a nice palate cleanser. We'll say that. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, this is, you know, I, I, I say newer film because it's 2014. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's not but, new anymore, baby. <laughs> I know, I know. But it's, again, it's not one that I'm like, oh, I had this close connection with it. You know, I just, I remember seeing it. And I remember really liking it. So why don't we just jump into the production, Joe? Because there isn't a ton here. But I, I mean, we don't really do New Zealand horror a lot on this podcast, do we? Well, you tend to hate a lot of New Zealand horror because it's populated by a lot of early Peter Jackson and you don't like his stuff. Okay, 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 okay. Because I don't like Dead Alive does not... I'm sorry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because I don't think Dead Alive is as good as everyone else thinks it is does not mean I do not like New Zealand horror. I love New... Wait, was... um... Have you seen The Frighteners? Yeah, it's fine. But I mean, but like that, oh, that's, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. Peter Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said. You don't like early Peter Jackson. But like, wasn't ext- Extraordinary, was that was that New Zealand? Oh my God, that's Irish. Oh, fuck. Okay, well, you know what? 
<laughs> I should have done I should have done a deep dive into New Zealand horror. No, I just this movie is great. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. the comedy in something like Brain Dead slash Dead Alive right. doesn't always work for me. The Frighteners I enjoyed. I just mm-hmm. thought it was really long, but I did watch like the it's like the two hour and twenty minute director's yeah, cut. Yeah, the director's cut. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I've heard. Anyway, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm I'm not being fair to you because I know that you like Deathgasm, even though that director is a huge piece of shit. Yeah. And I know that you like Black Sheep because we talked about it with Nightmare Junkhead. There you go. There you go. I love Kiwi horror, and but horror comedy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, okay. Well, let's go with our director slash writer here, Mr. Gerard Johnstone. So, he was. First inspired to create this movie after watching Ghost Hunters on television. Love it. And got more inspiration from films like The Changeling, which, Joe, I still have not watched and I will one day. One of these days. It's not quite as funny as this one. No, 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 no. But I imagine some of the haunted house machinations Mm -hmm. are similar. Indeed, yeah. And he was also inspired by The Legend of Hell House. But he actually got his start doing TV shows in New Zealand. So he had a TV show called The Jackie Brown Diaries, which he describes as a cross between Eastbound and Down and The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Yeah, it's supposed to be, I think, a a relatively straightforward comedy. So you can see where he cut his chops on that. Yes, and so he was used to doing TV comedies, which again is is an interesting precursor, let's say, mm-hmm. to, to a horror film. But he says in an interview, and this is with Nerdist back in 2014, um, when the film premiered at South by Southwest, he said, in New Zealand, I think less than 1% of films have ever made a profit, so I wanted that to be my point of difference, he says. He thought this way, the New Zealand Film Commission would be more likely to return his calls. He learned that the <laughs> only genre in a film in New Zealand to make its money back almost by default was horror. Right. So the genesis of Housebound was that, coupled with an episode he watched of Ghost Hunters on BBC, where a woman was talking very casually about a supernatural experience, which we obviously see brought Mm -hmm. to life in this film with Miriam's character, that it was one of the funniest things he'd ever heard. So he wanted to know what a movie might be like that was populated with characters like this. So I don't think for a second he ever wanted to do a straight horror film, but... right. And again, we'll talk about this as we talk about the film in general, but like he brings in this just winsome comedy into some uh, mm. some, uh, uh horror film. I don't know. Do you find any of this film scary, Joe? Oh, yeah, actually. I mean, and folks, if you have not seen this film, we did kind of cue you at the end of last week. This is a film that can be spoiled. So if you Mm. have not seen it, we do very strongly recommend it. Please go and seek it out. But I will say that when things shift and become a little bit more traditionally scary in the back half, there's a couple of good moments where, well, uh, I know. It's hard to say right. if I'm scared, but like there's there's some really fucking tense moments. There is a shot, and w- you'll know what it is when we get to it, but like there is a shot in this movie that I think is like genuinely terrifying. Of course, deflated later when you know what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, yeah. But there, yeah, I, there are some things in this that are really, really scary. But yeah, I mean, the comedy is really first and foremost here. Yeah, this is a comedy horror in some respects <laughs> yeah honestly that's really the bulk of my production history on this show oh, i mean okay. he, <laughs> johnstone goes into saying you know he had difficulty achieving some of the exterior shots because they were had budgetary issues i yeah. think this is similar to you canadians where like the maybe not the government but he says like the new zealand film commission like mm-hmm. they budget the films instead of like same difference yeah yeah same kind of thing it's i don't know is it a commonwealth in new zealand it is yes oh well there you go oh my god yeah i'm learning <laughs> <laughs> 
So Housebound makes its world premiere on March 11th, 2014 at the South by Southwest Film Festival. Unfortunately, this is about a year before I started attending South by Southwest, so I did not see it there. Mm. It makes its U.S. Blu-ray debut on November 18th, 2014, distributed by Accelerator. Don't know what that is. I don't know either. It just... <laughs> there was a, a theme park, a Six Flags I was at growing up, and they had this roller coaster called Accelerate, but it was X-L-R, the number eight. Of course, so yeah. when I saw this, I was just like, oh, it's like that ride. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, world-renowned maker of both roller coasters as well as New Zealand horror films. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't have budgetary information for this. I also don't have box office information because it did not yeah. go to theaters in the United States. Mm-mm. It did gross about $241,000 overseas, the bulk of which was in New Zealand. That's that. But, of course, critically, we are looking at a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes with an average score of 7.5 out of 10. And I think that's what, I mean, again, it's, it was those reviews when this was coming out that I was like, well, I got to seek this movie out if it's that good. Hmm. Yeah, it's been interesting to see people gently discover this over the last couple of years, because oftentimes what you get is a bunch of people saying, fuck, I wish I had known about this film earlier, right. I would have sought it out, I would have championed it. And you also interestingly get some folks who say, oh, well, I saw that rating, like that really strong right. Rotten Tomatoes approval rating, the really strong uh, letterbox rating. Mm-hmm. And they thought, okay, well, this must be a absolute fucking slam dunk. And then they go in with their expectations too high, and they feel like it underwhelms. So it's, I don't know, it's a pro and a con in some ways. I mean, that's kind of where we go into with this underrated underseen, right? Like what mm-hmm. is underrated? What is overrated? And all of it is subjective. And you are right, though. I mean, like, I, I didn't feel it as much with this movie. But like, I'm trying to think, um, like, something like The Babadook, like, that's a movie where I was like, Oh, I'm walking in expecting something based on mm-hmm. these reviews. And I did not, I mean, I, you know, it's an expectation game, right? I did not get right. what I expected from that movie. And on the first watch, I was very underwhelmed with it. Yeah, I saw a couple of people also talk about how this film might have had a better chance of breaking out if it hadn't come out in 2014. Because unfortunately, that's also the year that What We Do in the Shadows comes out of New Zealand. Also a horror comedy, admittedly more of a comedy horror. And that movie just absolutely becomes a sensation and sweeps everybody's attention. So I do wonder if people maybe just they they couldn't focus on two films coming out of New Zealand in a single year. Also, fuck you. I love what we do in the shadows and I watch a TV show. <laughs> so there you go. There's my one New Zealand one. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. I mean, and uh, but that's also where I think though, looking at those average scores is really important, right? Because I'm looking at the 95% Rotten Tomato score and I'm like, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. But that average score of seven and a half out of 10. So your average right. score for this movie is around a three and a half out of five or a four out of five. I mean, it's still good. It's yeah. just, you know, it's it's not 95, which is like very close to a near perfect film. Right. And I, that's why everyone, everyone, when looking at any kind of aggregate site, I implore mm. you, don't just look at the number. Dig a little bit deeper and that's it. Just do that. <laughs> oh, okay. Just dig a little deeper. And then dig a little deeper. Go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, my recommendation to folks is find a film critic that you trust, that your your tastes either align or, in my case, as I've often mentioned with Roger Ebert, like, are the reverse polarity of. And just sort of get a sense of, oh, if that person liked this movie and I like what this person likes, then mm-hmm. this is probably going to be a good fit for me. But also... 
reviews are just reviews. We're just as subjective as other people. So at the end of the day, if a film is interesting to you, by all means, go out and fucking support it because then you can make up your own mind. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Okay, I'm guilty of this. Like, if it's a movie that I'm already not really wanting to see and it Mm -hmm. gets, if it's rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, I will use that as an excuse to be like, well, why would I give this a time of day? It's it's not something I would normally be interested in. But like, if it's a movie that I want to see already, and it's got Mm -hmm. 2% on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm still going to go see it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, one of the fun things that we have gotten to see, especially in these last couple of years, as people do more reappraising, I think the pandemic in some ways has been really helpful for people to say, oh, I'm going to go back and look at movies I might have skipped over. Like, when we covered Initiation for the Patreon plug back at the end of December, you actually flipped that film from rotten to fresh with our review. Yeah. So it's like that shifts, right? Like it's an aggregate, but it's always on the move. Like every time we do an episode, we log it into rotten fucking tomatoes and we're <laughs> shifting those scores, baby. <laughs> it, it, there is something very like pleasing or satis- satisfying. Something very satisfying. Like when that happened with initiation, I was very much like a, uh, oh, I feel like I did a public service. <laughs> Yeah, you were high-fiving a thousand angels, as Adrian said last week. (laughs) But yeah, no, I mean, and I I don't really have much else to say. So I guess we can just go into the plot summary, Joe. Yeah, so I am going to bring a very gentle piece into this. And it's Mm -hmm. just because we are talking about horror comedy. And I feel like I always mean to bring it up when we talk about these films. And I don't think I have but it's particularly well-suited to the kind of horror comedies that we do see come out of New Zealand. So, mm-hmm. folks, through that list, things like the early work of Peter Jackson, like Black Sheep, like this movie, like Deathgasm, they all have a particular brand of sort of really broad farcical comedy that is mixed with either some body horror or some really gross-out kind of juvenile gags to yeah. them. And I'm going to give credit to an Australian film critic who I deeply respect named Alexandra Heller Nichols. So she wrote a brief piece about Housebound in Metro Magazine, and she cites Philip Brophy. And I was familiar with Brophy's work from my undergraduate work, and he's famous for this term called horality. And he wrote a piece called Horality, the Textuality of Contemporary Horror Film. But basically, in a pinch, horality is an emphasis on horror, textuality, morality, and hilarity. And it's defined by humor that is not usually well-crafted, but mostly perverse and or tasteless, so much so that often the humor might be horrific, while the horror might be humorous. Mm. So it's this interesting idea that, like, because we often talk about how horror and comedy go together but at the jump you would think oh but they don't right because they're so completely different like how can you laugh at something that is horrific and the films that often fall into the horality category are these kind of like very big very broad like people getting guts thrown in their face and you're just like oh my god i'm laughing even though that (laughs) should be disgusting it should be scary Mm -hmm. and i don't know for some reason kiwis just have this really great capacity for delivering films that fall into this kind of niche category well and like that description you just made it it does sound like like dead alive i don't Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. fully get that from housebound but i can see how it kind of falls in that little wheelhouse I think it's when you get stuff like the ridiculous scene where, you know, our heroine gets attacked by the villain. We'll get to it. Yeah. And we have a fight with a cheese grater. 
and a laundry basket, right? Oh, like this yeah. is the kind of thing where you go, well, that shouldn't be scary, but it kind of is because he still has a knife and he's chasing them. But also it's absolutely ridiculous because who the fuck wears a cheese grater to a slasher fight? That's true. No, yeah, you know what? You're right. But that's also like, to me, it's it's subverting genre tropes. And I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not trying to say, oh, you use a, diff- a, a different weapon than is normally used in a slasher film. Because- right. I mean, y'all, we'll just spoil this now. This is a Mm non-supernatural horror film that becomes a secret person hiding in the walls and then a slasher movie. Yeah. You all got gagged and gooped over the boy and the pack. Ooh, I just spoiled both of those films. I know. But yeah, this is this is another one of those movies. It's I think unfortunately that's one of the other reasons that people sometimes walk away underwhelmed from this film is because they go, Oh, it's just doing what the boy did. And you're like yeah, but, but this came out first. The boy is twenty sixteen. Well, that and the fact that like people hiding in walls, you know, we can also go back to the people under the fucking stairs from right. nineteen ninety if you really want to do that game. But it's always terrifying. Like the idea that there could be something in your house living there that you don't know. Like I've seen so many true crime horror stories where somebody was like living secretly in somebody's attic. Like mm-hmm. hell, another spoiler. Uh, There's a Helen Hunt film. Yep. That <laughs> <laughs> See, I, but that's the thing, right? So many – that's kind of how this – I guess I'll call it its own little subgenre of horror operates mm-hmm. because a lot of time it is a twist. And uh, whether you want to call it yeah, people hiding in the walls or frogging as that Helen Hunt movie will also Whoa. name it. But so like, freaky. It, yeah, because this and The Pact – Mm-hmm. And the boy, mm-hmm. and I, yeah, all of it is presented as if there's something supernatural going on, mm-hmm. only to reveal at some point after the first act that it yes. is not that. And I do think this is the first one in that set of films to come out. But I love that. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. And yeah, you're right, though. I can see someone watch this and be like, "Oh, it's a bit derivative. A bit derivative. God damn it." a bit derivative of those other films, Mm -hmm. but it's executed so well that even if this had come out after all of those films, I wouldn't give a shit. No. And and if anything, I think it just cues us like, hey, a lot of films are interested in this idea right now. What is going on with our world that we are terrified? We might have people literally living within our walls right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, actually, did you ever see the movie Hangman with Jeremy Sisto? Uh, I have not. No. It's him and the lead actress from Shaun of the Dead. It's it's like 2016. Okay. It's pretty good. Um, It's mm-hmm. not great, but it's, it's very much about it's like a found footage movie, but it's shot from the cameras of the person living in their attic oh ooh, that's got, yeah. got a shiver there but I'm, I'm i'm bringing up Shaun of the dead too just only because i some of the mm-hmm. i hate even saying this because it's like oh it's like that Shaun of the dead style editing but i do get some of that from housebound and i think a lot of the comedy comes from the editing in this film as well oh god yeah this if folks are interested in making either a comedy or a horror comedy, this film is a great example of how to use your editing to really amp up those jokes. Because, oh boy, I mean, we we talked about how there are some scary sequences in this film, but also there are some fucking hilarious <laughs> moments like this movie brings me so much joy because it is so fucking funny well and we've made it you know 20 minutes into this recording and we haven't even mentioned our two leads morgana o'reilly as kylie and rima tewiata as miriam i mean two completely like polar opposite characters you have mm-hmm. this 
deadpan Kylie, this deadpan, like, kind of miserable Kylie, with this just jovial, like, ha, ha, la, la, Miriam. And they play off of each other so well, but also how they react to the horror in the film is so different Mm -hmm. and so hilarious. Well, it's interesting that you raise that because that's what Alexandra Heller Nichols' piece is all about, is the relationship between the two women and how this presents us with quote-unquote final girls who are actually acting very differently than we would normally expect them to Mm -hmm. but mostly about how this the film's beating heart is about the relationship between the two and how you always know that Kylie loves her mom and vice versa but they don't always act in a loving way to one another and I think the relationship rings true for a lot of people because like the level of passive aggressiveness in Miriam and the kind of as you you said disdain sort of sullen sulkiness that kylie has mm. like uh yeah been there especially when i was a teenager like my mom was a chipper fucking 1950s housewife trying to get me to come down and eat dinner and i was like i don't want to i mean i get what you're saying but kylie's also an adult she's not a teenager and so uh, while well she's coded as like early 20s something right and i will say that i can let the blowing up an atm slide i can let all this stuff slide mm-hmm. the, the time when i was like oh bitch like no 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 <laughs> your mother was when she wouldn't let them use the tv, the TV to watch their yeah. show <laughs> right and that that's the smallest act like really of all the grievances she fucking stabs the boyfriend <laughs> but really at the end of the day we're like you wouldn't even let her watch coronation street <laughs> Oh, God. I, I watched it because I watched it in pieces over the weekend because I was busy, so I just split it up. But I watched it again, like, in full today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that scene just really, I was just like, fuck you, Kylie. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see Miri be like, I won't be held prisoner in my own house. I, I, I need to be able to do something different for these <laughs> next eight months. I mean, that, that's the thing I like about watching foreign films. And I'm calling this foreign, even though I know it's English, but it's obviously in another, it's on another continent. Yes. But I like... I don't know what it's like to live in New Zealand. And so I just have this image of this quaint little house slash former halfway house. Oh, my God. (laughs) With a lot of fields and hills and uh, sheep. (laughs) Yeah, uh, they do have big cities. I've been to several of them. They, They have large metropolises. But yeah, I mean, I think part of what New Zealand has prided itself on is embracing this sort of rural life Mm -hmm. right like you mentioned sheep and everybody immediately gravitates to that when you talk about new zealand and i think it's just part of how they've sold themselves and it comes through in films like this that give off that low level country living domesticity but it's so quaint. Like whenever Miriam's talking about how she was going to make it a B&B or it used to be a B&B and she was going to take it over, I was like, oh, my God, I would totally stay in this house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though it is like a hoarder nightmare. And yes. <laughs> kudos to the production design because everything in there looks totally authentic i know that i saw a couple of different pieces where they talked about how difficult it was to find some of the props that they use in the film particularly that three-quarter jesus and i just think that they did a really great job because this house looks lived in as fuck yeah absolutely well why don't we make a trip over to this house let's let's (laughs) let's get into it let's go So we begin with an ATM burglary that doesn't go entirely to plan. In fact, it's pretty fucking disastrous. Yeah. But but this is also when you can tell, like, I mean, obviously, if you've seen the trailer for this movie, you know it's probably going to have comedic elements to it. But it's that 
It's that visual of after she gets the money and she's dragging her mm-hmm. partner in crime mm-hmm. <laughs> back to back to the car. Ugh. And we just get that long take of her just dragging and dragging and dragging and dragging. Yep. Oh, it just works perfectly. Really? I My cue immediately is when he throws this oh. hammer or this wrench and it just <laughs> goes right back in his face and knocks him out. Like to me, I'm just like, oh, OK, we're doing this. I, I see. I see you, movie. It's so funny because I used to be like, sledgehammers aren't that heavy. And then I actually picked up a sledgehammer one day and um, mm-hmm. they are. Um, they are. They, they yeah. really hurt. Don't don't use them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, something about a horror comedy or just comedies, I guess, in general, where people getting hit in the face and other things. You're like, oh, that's funny. And then in real life, you think, oh, no, that person's dead. <laughs> but like, not in this movie because it's too lighthearted. Yeah. Yeah, so this ATM burglary, it it immediately lands her back in some kind of juvenile detention or like, yeah, courtroom. And so we haven't said this is Kylie, as you (laughs) mentioned, played by Morgana O'Reilly. And she is sentenced to eight months of home detention at Sunshine Grove. That's the name of the house that she and her mom live in. And she... I just want to spotlight this actress because I love her. She has a very um, Adina Menzel shaped face. Okay, okay, I can see it. It's like just a very striking, angular face. But um, mm-hmm. she she hasn't really broken out, at least in the states. But mm. and this show will keep fucking coming up. She is a mainstay on the New Zealand. I mean, I think a soap opera called Neighbors. Uh, I believe that is Australian, but yes, very popular. Oh, you know what? You're right because we covered something else that was Australian, and like I feel like half the cast was in that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they hop across the the. I don't even know if it's a channel, but uh, <laughs> the water. They do go back and forth quite a bit. Like you see a lot of interplay. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember. Have Have I ever told you my my famous New Zealand apple story? No. Like like apple the brand or apple the fruit? Apple the fruit. Okay, tell me. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you now. Okay. So when I was living in Australia, my best friend came over and we decided to take a trip to New Zealand. And New Zealand has a very staunch policy about not letting foreign products into their delicate ecosystem, which is a hilarious joke if you know anything about New Zealand, because everything that you see on that island, including their famous fucking sheep, are all imported from the British when they colonized it. <laughs> How do you really feel, Joe? <laughs> You're going to hear it in a minute. (laughs) So the reason that they're very protective is because it's apparently delicate ecosystem and they don't want to disrupt anything by bringing like a foreign entity in, right? Like they don't want bugs. They don't want produce that could potentially take over things. So they have a strict policy. You're not allowed to bring in any fruits or vegetables that haven't been like properly approved. So we're flying over. It's like, it's not a long flight, but it was like a long day of travel. And I had packed some snacks in my bag. And I had almonds in a bag and I had an apple in the bag. But the apple was under my hoodie, which I completely forgot about. So when I got to the declarations, I go through and they're like, do you have anything to declare? And I'm like, well, I've got these almonds and they don't care. And then I walk through and then they pull me aside. So my husband goes through, my best friend goes through, I get pulled aside. They're like, haha, what an idiot. He's going to get into trouble for something. Trace, they charged me $400 for trying to bring a foreign species of apple into the country. And I told them, no, no, like, I'm, I'm super sorry. This is a big mistake. Like, I didn't even realize it was in there. I actually did declare fruits and nuts (laughs) on the declaration. And I, I also have these almonds and they were just like, sir, 
we have caught you red-handed. Here is the apple. It's in your bag. We're going to charge you $400. You can refute this, but you would have to come back in a month's time, which is like, as a tourist, you can't do that. So they basically gouged me at the beginning of this vacation. And here's the kicker. There was a woman and her daughter who had also been pulled aside for the same thing, same price, $400 they were charged. They unzip a travel size suitcase, like a carry on suitcase full of yams and or sweet potatoes. <laughs> a full fucking suitcase, Trace. They also were charged $400. So, <laughs> I mean, I get it's the law, but so, so, um, Kiwis out there. So, you have, here you have it, the horror queers. I hate. New Zealand filmmaking, and Joe just hates New Zealand. <laughs> we fucking hate New Zealand, apparently. <laughs> Actually, just I love New Zealanders. They've been very lovely. Oh, I just you. don't no. like that one no, policy. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, come on. Have you ever heard a Kiwi say the word deck or dick? It sounds like deek. It's lovely. Okay. <laughs> the accent is hilarious. I love it so much. Oh, my God. Okay, well, go eat your apple and get back to this plot. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, so Kylie has been sentenced to eight months of home detention with her mother, Miriam. I do love that even as they're pulling up into the driveway, her mother then hits this police car. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think all the, all, most of the damage is on my end. Oh, fuck, I can't. I can't. I, I'm not even going to try I mean, accent. Yeah, it, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Damage. Like that, like that, my, oh, fuck. You know what? It's fine. Damage. Yeah. <laughs> so Kylie is then outfitted with an ankle monitor. We could say Chekhov's ankle monitor. And this is put on by Amos, who is played by Glenn Paul Waru. And <laughs> he explains, basically, if you go too far, you're going to set off this alarm. So this is how we deal in part with the limited budget that we have to make this movie. It's like, oh, well, we got to keep her in the house at all times. That's the thing. This is a very simple setup. And most of the film, like Morgana O'Reilly does carry this on her back because she's pretty much mm-hmm. in every scene of this film. Yes. But of course, I mean, again, just these little character beats. Like Miriam's first thing is, oh, wow, that really sucks you have this ankle monitor. It's, oh, that's a fancy piece of tech. You're really spoiled. <laughs> Such a mom thing to say, right? Like, oh, well, we're making lemonade out of lemons here, sweetie. You've got that fancy ankle tech. We don't, do we know, though, how long it's been since Kylie has, like, seen her mother? I took it to be a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But, like, we have not been speaking in this time. Yeah, cool, because she's been in and out of, like, these rehabilitation facilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did see a couple of people being jackasses in review saying, like, um, I don't think that they would sentence you to house arrest if you had previously been to juvie facilities. And I was like, A, immaterial, because it's just how the plot is working. Right. But also, B, fuck you that you think you know better. Like, just... Sh- well, I mean, I don't know where those reviews were coming from, if they were coming from New Zealand critics or not. No, like, of course they were not well, coming that's the from thing. New Zealand like, critics. W- w- well, that's the thing. Whenever it's like, oh, like, that's di- that's weird for the legal system. I'm like, oh, but it's a different country. So, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I'm know so- what it's like. I'm sorry it's not the punitive United States of America, which <laughs> likes to put people into jail. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so Kylie is now stuck at this house with her mother and her boyfriend. And yeah, so we get an awkward dinner and then Kylie sneaks out for a smoke. And this is where she stares down shady neighbor Mads Kraglun, who is played by Mick Innes. And we see that he is burning trash. So like immediate red flags. Hey, this person is a little bit weird doing something a little bit 
Yeah, unto work. Yeah, we get a lot of Mr. X in this, well, mm-hmm. really the first half of the film, because this yes. movie is going hard to make you think there is a ghost in this house, but then also mm-hmm. maybe a creepy murderer. <laughs> yeah, the film wants you to think that there's a little bit of everything going on. Mm-hmm. So when she comes back inside, she tunes into a radio talk show, and she hears a woman... <laughs> describing paranormal activity in the house <laughs> and of course it is her mom who refused to relinquish the phone earlier and she and she describes i mean i i, I meant to mention this earlier because like uh, do you have the blu-ray of this or did you watch this on streaming uh i have the blue so the the poster for this film mm-hmm. is a little spoilery well it's very unique though <laughs> Like, it's like this oil painting of mm-hmm. Kylie and Miriam and Graham, and yes, the the malevolent-ish spirit that is haunting them, just covered in a sheet. But I just think that maybe the, this poster would have, like, turned some people off, because it's a very, it's just a different looking kind of a cover art for a film. But mm-hmm. this <laughs> this phone call <laughs> that Miriam does, she's just like, well, yeah, I had this experience, but um, hmm, uh, I can't really explain what it was. So, mm-hmm. and she just babbles on and on and on oh, and yes. on. Miriam is fantastic for being that character that you have encountered, and then you cannot get out of the conversation yeah. with them. <laughs> which, which will come into play later. Yeah, I, I literally love that the film uses <laughs> the thing that Kylie is so frustrated with her mother about as a salvation, like, oh, okay, we're going to use that character trait as a plot mechanism in the climax. It's so good. It's so funny. <laughs> uh, okay. So also important to note that Miriam, when Kylie says, hmm, okay, like, bullshit, bullshit, I'm calling you on this weird phone call you just Mm -hmm. made. Miriam says, well, you used to think the same thing when you were a child. Yeah, so this is not a recent quote unquote haunting like this has been going on since they lived in this house since they moved into this house. Mm -hmm. The house has always had a little bit of weirdness to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that night, Kylie is startled by some odd sounds as she is going to the bathroom. And this for me, and this to me is actually one of those examples of horality, because it is bathroom humor. And I die. Trace like I fucking I laughed so hard because I forgot about it. And then when it's happening, I'm like, hey, this bitch has like, the muscles to be able to contract and like pinch that off like do your kegels man yes do your kegels ladies keep keep that action firm it's so because i i had just uh, i kicked off the new year by watching all three austin powers movies for the first Uh, time in like Mm -hmm. over Mm -hmm. a decade but that first one has the same pee gag where it's like but there's something again it's the sound coupled with her face because she keeps Mm -hmm. looking off to because she hears something and she's like huh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it's a bit of, uh, but also, I mean, we we haven't really talked about Morgana O'Reilly's aesthetic. Like, she's gentle, goth, very, I mean, I think we said sullen. It, she's giving I hate everyone and yeah. everything at all points uh, to such an extreme that I saw a Vox retrospective that literally says the way her character acts in this film is like a 2020 pandemic mood. Like, you're... <laughs> You're locked in the house and you hate fucking everyone all the time. And when she's peeing, it's very, what is that sound? But also, who the fuck is interrupting me while I'm trying to piss? <laughs> and it goes several times. And yes. it's just, it's it's like, it goes beyond the rule of threes in comedy. And that's why, but that's what makes it work so well. Yeah, it almost shouldn't because they take it so far. Mm-hmm. And yet it 
absolutely does. I love it. Yeah. So I also do love, to me, the, the whole of her character, the whole of Kylie's character is embodied the next morning when, well, it's maybe early afternoon when Miriam comes in and she wakes Kylie up and Kylie just goes, oh no, I'm going to be late. And Miriam goes, what for? And Kylie just goes, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, right? She has has this house arrest for eight months, and I'm just like, on a level, I'm kind of like, well, that's kind of cool. You're not working. So, <laughs> like, there you go. Yeah, but imagine having to go back and live with your parents who you don't get along with, and you cannot get away from them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and this is coming from somebody who mostly loves my parents, but I have a firm, like, two and a half to three day limit with them. I think, yeah, I, I think... I think that's how it is for a lot of family, to be honest. It's like, okay, cool, we're going to go visit. And then it's, yeah, after like a weekend, you're like, oh, okay, like, yeah. I, I, I've got my fill. I want to go home now. good. I will see you in six to eight months. <laughs> Love ya. Love ya. Love you, Joe's parents. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. They never listen. They'll never that's know. It's fine. <laughs> okay, so she tries to log on to the computer because, of course, yeah, you're stranded at home. Let's log in. Let's dial up to oh the God, internet. The- the dial-up. I laughed so mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, the wiring doesn't quite cooperate, and the computer maybe emits a few sparks and some flames. <laughs> so Kylie then heads to the creepy basement, and, you know, a, a lot of this is establishing, to a certain extent, the geography of the house, yeah. but also just establishing the house is old. Things are falling apart. The wiring sucks. And maybe weird shit is happening. Is it supernatural? Well, okay, so that's I, I don't remember the first time because this is when we that he grabs her right in the basement. Uh, no. Oh, not it's not yet. yet. Shit. Okay. No, the, uh, actually, this is I think where she goes down and she's kind of looking around and the lights flicker and we see the sheet in the back. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. You are correct. So again, the sheet that Miriam was discussing on her little radio phone call earlier. Mm-hmm. So now we, we as an audience, have a certain understanding. Okay, there is definitely something going on in this house. Yeah. Kylie's not there yet. Right. So she then proceeds to have a combative meeting with her counselor, Dennis, who is played by Cameron Rhodes. And uh, in case you didn't get the understanding that Kylie can be a bit of a C1T, uh, <laughs> She does describe Miriam as a fucking dick who she has punched in the face. And then she describes the boyfriend, Graham, who is played by Ross Harper, as cabbage in a polar fleece. (laughs) I totally wrote down that line. So also around this, like, this is really just beating a dead horse about how terrible Kylie is to her mom so that we can then, I think, get an understanding of where she's at as a young adult slash early 20-something. Right. But also to make sure that we empathize with Miriam so that when Kylie starts to come around, it feels like a better character arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is where we see that she has eaten all of the meatloaf that was intended for dinner. She's just yeah. drinking endlessly, watching old movies on TV because they could not get the rights to anything they actually wanted. And yes, Coronation Street has been relegated to the bedroom. Oh, man. Well, and they can't watch it. It's just terrible reception. It's all staticky and shit. <laughs> I love that. I can't even hear what they're saying. <laughs> Do you know this is a real show? Corn- oh, my God, Trace. <laughs> oh, God, it is. 
Coronation Street is basically the defining soap opera from the UK. Like it has been on for more okay. than 50 years. It okay. is an institution. Let's not let's not act like that's something I would have known growing up in my 33 years of life. 30, 30, 32 years of life. 33. 32. I mean, okay, yes. It, admittedly, <laughs> I don't know how popular it is in the in the US, but like I guarantee you that there was a whole swath of people who just went, how the fuck does he not know that? Yeah, well, they're probably from the UK. Uh, maybe. And Canada maybe. and New Zealand. <laughs> uh, admittedly, yes. Yeah. I mean, the Commonwealth, once again. There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay, so let's get into some proper supernatural shit. So. Yeah. Kylie's sleeping on the couch. She gets woken up because the computer has randomly been left on. And then when she goes up to bed, she hears the iconic Hello Moto ringtone of a yeah. Motorola cellular telephone. I won't lie. Um, I forgot about this jingle. And um, I was kind of dancing in my couch. Oh, 100%. <laughs> every time this played. <laughs> Bitch, my first cell phone was a Motorola Razor. So this was my ringtone. I had a razor too. Love <laughs> <laughs> a razor. Those things were like practically cheap plastic. I was constantly worried that I would flip it and it would just crack in. <laughs> oh my god! But holding that super thin piece of metal to your uh-huh. face was just like the coolest thing. Oh, I, I, dude, I was living my best Matrix fantasy. Yes, yes. <laughs> I yes, put on a pair felt- of shades. I had a, a Motorola <laughs> razor. <laughs> you felt like a spy. Uh-huh. Like you felt uh-huh. like a spy. Oh my god, the good old days. (laughs) (laughs) So she traces this sound down to the basement, and this is where she gets scared by the falling three-quarter scale Jesus statue. Her ankle monitor goes off because we get the impression that the basement extends further than the geography of other parts of the house, and then something grabs her foot. So, okay, this is what I was saying. I don't remember if the first time I saw this, if I was like, oh, shit, that's a ghost. Because mm-hmm. it very much looks like a human's hand. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. But um, it's really creepy. It's a good little jump scare. And um, the hand looks disgusting. <laughs> yeah, we got some nails that maybe haven't been cut. There could be a little bit of, like, skin tone <laughs> issues going on. Fun fact, though, the hand that grabs Kylie's actually belongs to production designer Anya Whitlock because they use her because she is very tall with mm-hmm. long fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I love this idea that we cast an actor who we will see later on and yes. talk about at length. And it was like, hmm. But you don't have those long fingers that we're really looking for. And we have two key scenes where we need to see them fingers that happen. Yes. <laughs> so her screams do attract her mother's attention. She gets all like caught up in various things in this basement. It's a it's actually quite an exciting sequence. Mm-hmm. And then we hear sounds from upstairs, which lead you to believe there's something going on upstairs. They run, they hide. Uh, I also love that Kylie is a fucking badass. So when she sees something, she takes the opportunity to take a swing at it. Uh, unfortunately, it is revealed to be Amos wearing pajamas. And he has come because, of course, the ankle monitor went off. But this this is our first, again, fun little, like, twist reveal. Because they're like, oh, like, I, you're not going to believe us, but it's a ghost. And he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me. And he's a ghostbuster. I fucking love this twist because in other movies, it would have been so conventional. Nobody believes Kylie or Miriam is the only one who sees it. And instead, Amos is immediately on board. Love it. Well, and this is too when you as we as an audience start becoming more connected with Kylie because she mm-hmm. starts to loosen up a little bit around <laughs> a this A little point. bit. I mean, I do love the rapport between these two because they do 
they're almost an odd couple, right? Where he's so excited by everything and she's kind of off in the corner smoking a cigarette and acting like she's above it all. But, you know, there's that funny moment where he's setting up the surveillance equipment and then she warns him about the wiring and he nearly electrocutes himself. And <laughs> Well, because she's still like, she's still not in on this because there's a part yeah. in, in a minute when he's like, oh yeah, ghosts have lower body temperature than humans. And she just goes, do they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's still on that mocking side. Very much scoffing at all of this, even though he tells her, hey, open yourself up to this a little bit. Like, you might just be surprised. Also, you got nowhere to go, bitch. So you better buckle up and get ready. Uh huh. Yeah, she's going to regret all of this in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back tonight. And this, I did not remember at all. She is startled by a talking teddy bear. I saw somebody say it's a Teddy Ruxpin. I no, I didn't think so either. This thing has a fucking mohawk, and it is talking like it is possessed. It it is similar to a Teddy Ruxpin, but it is not a Teddy Ruxpin. I forgot this too, but it's like, uh, so first of all, I I could not understand what it was saying. Not really. But the subtitles do say, so the subtitles say, it says, nice, you know, I can still see you. And Mm. then it starts saying, I can hear you breathing. And I get the impression, and maybe I'm wrong, or maybe I'm just like, I missed it. But like, this is like, you can record things onto the bear. Correct. Yes. Okay. So yeah, this, this is Eugene's voice in the bear. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So Kylie flips the fuck out because even if it is just a stuffed bear, it's talking to her in the middle of the night in a really creepy voice that she does not recognize. So she beats this thing up hardcore and ends up throwing it in the fire. But then it still shows up outside the shower the next day. <laughs> well, because again, the whole thing, you're right. Because like she used to talk to Eugene as a little girl. Mm-hmm. I'm not wild about the whole like, oh, you forgot about something when you were a kid. I think she thought that it was an imaginary friend. Maybe. Oh, maybe so. Because we probably only heard his voice and never actually saw him. Yeah, because it's coming from the fucking walls. Right. But she's recording his voice on this bear. Or I guess he is. Yeah, the the sort of logistics are not entirely clear, but this very much seems like, hey, now that she's back in the house, he's trying to reach out. Hey, yeah. do you remember the memories? No, this bear is scary and I'm lighting it on fire. <laughs> so Kylie tries to explain some of this when she has her next appointment with Dennis, and he basically says, mm, why don't you try to get your GED, which is actually called prospectus in new zealand okay so he's like yeah you know what you got all this time why don't you do something with it so she hunkers down she starts to study and then this is when a door opens in her closet would this be less terrifying if it was a human-sized door as opposed to like a goblin child-sized door (laughs) Um, like this is some narnia level shit and i was not here for it i was like oh what would i do if the door just suddenly opened in a closet i don't Uh, think i'd be going inside well i was like i I would be going inside that's for fucking sure (laughs) (laughs) so it's nothing scary it's actually just a box of her childhood items including a pair of tap shoes which is uh on the commentary apparently you can hear them talk about why that was included and it's because morgana o'reilly listed one of her talents on her cv as being able to tap so they were like cool let's put that in the movie yep that's exactly it so everyone actors uh make sure you tell the truth on your resumes 
Oh, one of my favorite gags is hearing about actors who said that they can ride horseback and then they get roles where they have to do so and they cannot pull it off. <laughs> that's, um, that's, I mean, not a plot point, but like, it's a thing that happens in licorice pizza. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I think I was thinking of, um, Unreal. Yes. Oh my, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> talk about a show that needs to be reappraised. Well, sorry. Talk about a season of television that needs to be, uh, re- revisited. There we go. I don't want to talk about that second season, but I do really like that. That first season and i would watch a kind of revamp version of that in a heartbeat for sure See, the final season was okay and the third season was wait there's a third season oh god the third season had caleb oh, Fitzgerald. Is that the woman okay mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but, but yeah, then season four that. was like eight episodes and wait they there's a on fourth hulu. season yeah they had a fourth and final it was eight episodes and they dumped it on hulu oh my god no yeah no, so they like close they, they they give it an ending like it's an eight episode and okay. the, it, the four seasons the best one since season one. Oh wow not gonna lie that was a bit of a journey for me <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if i'll keep this in but we'll see <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I thought you finished Unreal. So yeah, it do, it does no. end. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, <laughs> no, I had to tap out of that shit. Yeah, that that second season is egregiously bad. It, and that was just it. Like, yeah, no, yeah, mm-mm. yeah. Okay, so a little bit of tap dancing. This is when Graham appears, and you can see the hey, we don't really know each other all that well. I'm yeah. the guy who's diddling your mom. You haven't been around. Let's make amends and do something together. So the item that she ended up smacking Amos with was kind of a collector's item. So <laughs> Graham decides that he's going to repair it. So they go into the basement. They're working on it. I do love this idea that he makes her hold it while he's gluing, and then in a way he traps her because she has to keep holding it. Yes. And then he opens up emotionally about how he thinks of her as a daughter. He really wants to try to make things work. <laughs> and the look on her face. This is a character that doesn't speak for no. 90% of his screen time. No. And honestly, if we're being real, Kylie barely speaks in these early parts too, right? She's mm-hmm. just casting shade on everybody. So watching this encounter in particular is hilarious yeah importantly graham also drops a bombshell without knowing <laughs> it which is that sunshine grove was never a bnb it was in fact a halfway house of horrors where a girl living in kylie's room leslie who was played in only really photos and still images um wait i have elizabeth I've got Leslie based off of Wikipedia. It's the girl who gets stabbed. Yeah. Because I had something different as well. And then when I went on Wikipedia, I was like, oh, is it Leslie? You know what? Uh, it, it is either Leslie or Elizabeth. So th- th- the dead girl. <laughs> the girl who was stabbed 67 times with a meat fork. Oh, my gosh. And bitten and beaten. Yes. Yeah. I'm very glad that we never get a flashback because I think not mm-hmm. only would it really... It, it would be egregious because that number is frighteningly high, but also I think it would have torpedoed the mood of this film. Yeah, you, you don't need that. You don't need no. your your woman in pain and danger and stuff. Mm-hmm. And because also at this point too, we're we're the film is leading you to believe that this dead girl is the specter haunting the house. Yes, absolutely. So this is where we get a bit of a confession from Miriam. She says, "Well, me and your dad, we're gonna buy this house on the cheap and then flip it, and then they just never." managed to actually flip it so kylie is very upset by the fact that she was living in a dead girl's room and she asked both her lawyer as well as dennis if she can have her sentence moved to a new location because she is starting to firmly believe that something weird is going on she doesn't like the idea of this dead girl being around 
And then this is when the lights go out, Trace. Oh, this, this is so good. So this is fucking scary, right? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, so folks, this is a do not adjust your screen. Nothing is wrong with the disc or whatever streaming site you're playing this on. This is like... I want to say about a minute of darkness and you just hear mm-hmm. Miriam looking for the fuse. And then we get a flash when she manages to get it. And this tall as fuck ghost in a sheet is standing in the middle of the room. Lights go back out. We hear a cacophony of like noises and fight scenes. And then when we turn the lights back on, Dennis has been stabbed. Yes. And it was so, <laughs> this is why I need to watch it a second time. Cause the first time I was watching, I was like, why was Graham hurting this? Cause I was, I was conflating <laughs> Dennis and Graham. Admittedly, there are two older generic white gentlemen from New Zealand. From yes. New Zealand. <laughs> they all kind of have a bit of a hobbit look to them, if we're going to be honest. <laughs> and, oh, yes, they do. Um, but like, it, again, this is a misdirect because mm-hmm. we're like, oh shit, the ghost is malevolent. It's trying to hurt people. Right. And, Johnstone's screenplay is very, very smart about mm-hmm. staying ahead of the audience. Oh, yes. Yeah, because we think that we have figured it out. Okay, it is a ghost and it is hurting people. And you think, well, Kylie could be next. Any of them could be next. Mm-hmm. And of course, you get to the end of the film and you're like, oh, Ooh, he was fucking yeah. protecting Kylie. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So Dennis is taken away by ambulance and then Kylie tries to make a run for it. So... Amos has to slap her and tell her, hey, maybe you should go back and help this fucking dead girl instead of being selfish. It's a bit of a hard truth. But, you know, one of the big things about this film is that Kylie isn't just that likable girl who does everything right. She needs to make mistakes. That's part of what's interesting. I I know that's what John Stone said he was most interested in when he wrote this character is that right. because she doesn't believe in all of the supernatural stuff immediately and she's so jaded and past all of it, it makes it scarier when she finally starts to believe. Well, but I also think that part of the reason she's not believing is because her mother does. So I almost think it's an act of defiance against her mother. (laughs) Oh, mom believes in something? Fuck no. Mm -mm. Exactly. Very childish. (laughs) Yeah. So she does end up taking Amos's uh, recommendation. She goes down into the basement and demands (laughs) that the spirit communicate with her. And again, like the peeing scene, we get sounds all around. Uh, We should note the camera work in a lot of these scenes is fantastic right like oh it's roaming around it's kind of zooming in on things like it's it's very active mm-hmm. oh and and that again that's kind of where the, again i hate even saying oh it's like Shaun of the dead but like it is very reminiscent of edgar wright's style in that film mm, i can see it yeah and the the tones are so comparable right mm-hmm. so folks if you like Shaun of the dead and you have not checked this movie out then maybe it will appeal to you We've already spoiled it for you, but it's still enjoyable, we promise. Oh, I definitely enjoyed the twist, but also I know so many people who have watched it after they know what it's about, and yeah. they still totally fucking love it. Because it's it's just a delight. It's so well made, too, mm-hmm. right? Um, what was probably a very, very, I mean, again, like, mm-hmm. they talk about, like, low budgets. Like, this is, this is a low-budget film that doesn't look like it. No. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the props in this house, but even, like, I looked at a couple of still images of the wallpaper in the <laughs> in the TV room, and it's mm-hmm. like it's really gorgeous and textured. It's it's kind of weird. I think it's monkeys who are playing with flowers. Is the design? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I had a, a kill by kill moment. I would so. say, where's kill by kill when you need them? <laughs> Okay, so in this basement, uh, all of these sounds lead Kylie to the old furnace, which we have been told 
doesn't work. So she opens it up. She ends up finding a pair of dentures. And then she goes upstairs because she hears the Hello Moto ringtone again, and she finds items buried under the floorboard in her room. It's a box with a bunch of different items. So there's like a watch as well as a baggie of drugs. I was <laughs> It's weed. <laughs> uh, it's a baggie of drugs. We have established. I don't know drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't bring it to New Zealand on accident. Here's the thing. How much would I have been charged if I had brought pot to New Zealand? Do you $200. think it would have been $400? <laughs> Yeah, it probably would have been two. I cannot believe I have never heard this story from you because it feels like something that's really plagued your mind for a long time. Oh my God. I think about it probably more frequently than I should, if we're being honest. <laughs> yeah. No. So from all of these items, Kylie turns her own paranormal investigator hat mm -hmm. on and she deduces that dead girl was a thief who was killed by someone that she stole from. And because of the dentures, she zeroes in on denture-wearing, animal-slaughtering neighbor, Craiglin. Um, so, again, a line delivery here, because she's telling Amos this, mm -hmm. and he looks skeptical. And she's like, why are you <laughs> making that face? And he goes, it seems thin. And she just takes a beat, and she goes, what about it seems thin? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, one of the funny things that never really gets remarked upon in this film, but when Brian was watching it with me, he was like, so does this movie propose that most gentlemen in New Zealand wear dentures? <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of wish that at one point Graham had to just spat them out, but I guess it would have been too much of a red herring. Yeah, like have every man in this movie wear dentures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> So Kylie and Amos decide that they're going to go on a reconnaissance mission. So they are going to sneak into Craiglin's house so that they can compare the dentures that he wears with the one that she has found in the old furnace. And like everything that Kylie does, this just goes abysmally wrong. And Amos ends up getting caught in an animal trap. Craiglin figures out that it's her. So he chases her back to her house. And then she ends up stabbing Graham with a pair of garden shears. Her plan was... Okay, he never leaves his house past two, so he's clearly asleep. So all I got to do is go get this thing out of his mouth while he is sleeping. Oh, man. The minute she reaches into his mouth to yeah. pull on the denture, I just thought, girl, what are you doing? I mean, from from when she was doing, like, the, the, the layout of the plan with Amos, mm -hmm. I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Seems a bit thin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this this has not worked out. They have actually not gained any ground. And uh, poor Graham, he is off to the hospital. But thankfully not dead. But there is, um, I wrote in my notes, a heavy silence between Kylie and her mom now. Oh, oh, oh cause, just because Graham is off. <laughs> well, it's not every day that you stab your, your mother's boyfriend. Yeah, well, I was like, hospital. well, are you trying to imply something else? Like, what? I don't know what you're saying, Joe. What do you want me to say? <laughs> I'm saying that Miriam doesn't really fucking like Kylie very much, and it's like a lot of tension in the house right. as a the, 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 Miriam's about to start getting more ballsy with how she responds to Kylie. Admittedly, yeah. But also Miriam is now leaving the house, and since Kylie can't, she decides to try to make amends, not by apologizing, because that would be the mature thing to do. Uh, she cleans the house a lot. You know what? That's a good gift, though. It's not bad. It's not bad. Especially mm -hmm. considering how shit she's been as a roommate. Yes. So 
Amos ends up playing amateur detective himself. So he goes back to Craiglin's house where he finds stacks of newspapers about this dead girl. And uh, I will say the the moment that scares me in this film is that flash of thunder and lightning where we see Craiglin watching him through the window. <laughs> My moment's not here yet. <laughs> okay. Excitement. Way to tease it. I like it. <laughs> so Craiglin ends up having a conversation because that's what normal people do. And yeah. he explains this sort of sordid past. So he took in a young agoraphobic boy named Eugene, who was a genius with electronics, but he also abused animals and uh, Craiglin beat him maybe one time, maybe more often. Yeah. And Eugene ended up running away shortly before this girl was killed. So now we have the suggestion, oh, the person in the house is not this girl and the specter. It could be this boy who is a murderer. Right. Keep up, everyone. Listeners, keep up. Mm -hmm. Twists and turns, baby, at every juncture. <laughs> so we're getting this information as Kylie is doing all of this cleaning. And as she's putting away the vacuum, <laughs> she kind of shoves it in through the wall of the closet and discovers that there is a whole room on the other side. Whoa. Meanwhile, Amos, who has the Teddy Ruxpin wannabe with the Mohawk doll, he ends up hearing it play something. So he plays the tape as he's sitting in his car. This and is creepy. Yeah. And this is when he hears Eugene talking about living in the walls. And this is as Kylie then see someone so okay it is this shot so she sees eugene or mm -hmm. someone in in their little lair spoiler it's eugene yeah it's eugene <laughs> <laughs> but we get this shot because we just she she freaks out she gets down and she's like you know looking at the camera looking away mm -hmm. and she looks back in the hole and eugene is gone yeah and so she goes back down Ooh. again and she's freaking out and then we have the camera tilt up mm-hmm and we just see Eugene's head yeah. sticking out of a hole in the wall staring at her. And I oh tell boy. you right now. It's great. <laughs> the first time I saw this, I screamed. <laughs> well, and, and the reason it's so effective is because in part of the production design of this house, it's so busy and cluttered that your eyes are constantly being drawn to various objects around rooms. And even as I said, like monkeys playing with flowers on the wallpaper. Mm -hmm. So your eyes don't entirely trust that you're seeing a person's face yes. or you think it's like a picture or a portrait. Well, and then you realize it's a real human fucking face. It's because it's because Eugene, he's got, you know, this, this crazy hair going on. He's uh -huh. practically an albino. I love it. I described him as, a human possum yes yes but like he, it because the walls are coated in like the insulation mm -hmm. a little bit so it's like he blends in yes. with that foamy material and so yeah it, it's that moment where you're like wait am i oh shit mm -hmm. that's a face mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah so ladies and gentlemen this is eugene played by ryan lamp and he has fully been fucking living in this house in the walls he's got a layer with like a tv and all sorts of other things he's been stealing food from the pantry and we actually get a very exciting scene where he appears to attack her and she is fighting she's trying to claw mm -hmm. through these walls uh she ends up Getting outside, she hotwires the vehicle and she drives into the night and she passes Amos as he's arriving at the house. And you think, oh, my God, now Amos is going to be killed by this dude. I didn't say this earlier, but I do love your pronunciation of Amos. It's probably Amos. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had famous Amos cookies? I don't believe I have. No. Okay. <laughs> they were they were they were a regular item at our high school cafeteria. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Did they come out of the wall? 
No, oh, okay. um, but I, I figured it was not Famous Amos. <laughs> but what if it was Famous Amos? Bring it back, y'all. <laughs> you know what? If, if that's what it was, I will give you a Canadian dollar. <gasps> I love it. I 400 can it, Canadian dollars. I was going to say, I could put it towards my fucking bill towards the <laughs> government. <laughs> I can't believe you had to pay that. Oh my god, it was the start of my vacation too, where you, you know how you've got like a budget and things that you're going to do, and then it's like, well, I guess uh, that $400 has to come out of somewhere. Like you yeah. don't plan to spend $400 crossing a border. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so now we get a very amusing scene. Like we've had this super incredibly tense moment where we think Kylie's in danger. We don't know what's happening with Amos, because I'm going to keep saying it that way. Kylie arrives at this police station and you think, okay, we're going to kick it up into high gear. She's going to tell the police and then what's going to happen? What's going to happen is we're going to have Officer Grayson, who is played by Millen Bard, who is the slowest typer you have ever seen in a oh, movie. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even listening to what she's saying. She's talking about the most preposterous, like scary thing you could ever tell someone. And he is stuck on, you know, what was that fifth word you said? It feels like very, um, God, I, I'm being that guy that's like, oh, it's just like this other thing, but it feels very the office-y. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can see it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, not to say the movie is deriv derivative. God damn it. I cannot say derivative today. Not to say the movie is derivative of all these other things I'm comparing it to. It's just reminiscent. Well, I think it, it's a certain brand of comedy that you have seen well executed in other properties. Mm -hmm. And especially, again, if people haven't seen this, this will help them to get a sense of what Houseman is doing. Yeah, for sure. Also, I I resisted asking you whether you meant the office from the UK or from America, <laughs> but I figured since you don't know jack shit about the UK, it was probably the American one, right? You know, I should probably watch the because isn't the UK one only like eight episodes? Uh it's a couple of series and then a Christmas special because the Brits love them a Christmas special. Yes, but yeah, it's yes. like eight episodes. Oh my god, yes. Uh, I watch <laughs> I watched that TV show Vicious with Ian McKellen and Oh uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they they did a Christmas special for that. And I was like, what a mm -hmm. weird thing to do. Always. Always. Always with the Brits. Mm -hmm. Love a Christmas special. It, it's something I feel like North Americans, we should take note of. It's fun. I think Netflix is doing it more because we did. Oh, I, no, you know, it's Hulu because Solar Opposites did a holiday special. Uh, anyway. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back to Tangentville. Yep. Okay, so Kylie is trying to get this police officer to pay attention to what she's saying. And we don't know what's happened to Amos, but we do see that her mom has arrived home. So now we're like, double fuck. Oh my god, what's gonna happen to Miriam? Mm -hmm. It's terrifying stuff. This is when Amos actually arrives at the police station and he starts backing up her claim. So we go back to the house as the mom is putting away groceries. And we hear this thud as she closes the pantry door. And it's like, Oh, is that a can or something falling out the backside of it? Yep, yep, yep. I mean, on, honestly, that I, 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 we don't need to have this whole, like, this is what's been going on the whole time. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't have minded having, like, a three-minute long, like, supercut of, this is what Eugene's been doing the whole time. <laughs> uh, he had to get a piece of board. He had to, like, get it up into position. Oh, you mean, like, just overall in general? Like, what does a day look like? What does a typical sure. well, day no, look like for no, Eugene? No, you're right. We can see him put the bear outside Kylie's shower. We can see, uh, like, see. all the okay. stuff that's been going on in the movie. I mean, kind of like what ICU does for like mm -hmm. the entire second half of the film. 
<laughs> but that's the part that people don't like as much. I know, but I do. Okay, fair, 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 fair. <laughs> so before Miriam can investigate what the ominous thud was, this is when everybody shows up. And this is such a, a great subversion of what you think might happen, mm-hmm. right? You think she's going to be in danger, and instead all of the tension just gets reduced because there's now four or five people at the door. So clearly everybody's going to be safe. So everybody kind of piles in. We've got these two police officers. We've got Kylie. We've got Amos. And also Dennis has come back. Yay. Mm -hmm. And Dennis doesn't buy any of this shit, which means nobody buys any of this shit. So they do happen to look at the pantry. Suddenly it's been boarded up. Hmm. So Dennis suggests that she has a dissociative disorder. So Dennis decides that he would like to see her institutionalized but but (laughs) but but apparently a lot of men in new zealand do have dental plates (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is why you should always give guests something to eat if you're trying to suss out a killer because yeah all of a sudden he is trying to eat that cookie and it gets lodged in there he's got to pick it out and bam Huh. I mean, we're entering the climax of this film, and it's funny because it doesn't always feel like it. You're right. It's because we have all these people here. Yeah, we're making startling revelations, and yet it's people sitting around a living room having cookies. So (laughs) clearly, we, we shouldn't get too excited. This is when Kylie asks her mom to distract everyone. She mentions women's stuff so that they can have a private conversation. And then she asks Miriam to go back in and do what she does best. Yes! Which is talk their fucking ear off. (laughs) And again, horality, because you just notice that Dennis is sweating profusely and he keeps asking if he can go to the bathroom. And it's clearly because he needs to take a shit. (laughs) He's trying to keep it in. More toilet humor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Kylie is, meanwhile, downstairs. She is looking through these staff files from when Sunshine Grove was still an institution. Mm-hmm. And she discovers that this dead girl smacked Dennis when he was a trainee in the face. And he was basically deemed unsuitable to continue working there. So, hmm. So he stabbed her 67 times with a meat fork. <laughs> Apparently so. Dennis may have some rage issues. Little bit. Very excessive. Hmm. So Kylie ends up arming herself with a knife and also a cheese grater. This is when she and her mom discover that both the officers have disappeared as well as Dennis. <laughs> and they think, well, Dennis mentioned he had to go to the bathroom so they end up tracking him upstairs and he comes out and the lighting is fantastic we've got (laughs) pure serial killer lighting on dennis's face yep and this is where kylie accuses him and he fully attacks them well because because he tries to convince miriam that she's lying and Mm -hmm. thankfully thankfully thank god we, we now have miriam and kylie on the same side Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mom and daughter are firmly aligned, and this is when we get this fantastic battle that involves a cheese grater, a laundry bin, as well as a knife. It is slapstick. It is stupid. It's the- also still pretty scary. 
Well, the, okay, this uh, we we made fun. Not, no, sorry, not made fun. We we commented on the hilarity of the cheese grater at the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. That would hurt so oh bad. My God, she gets him in the cheek. The yes. cheek is a sensitive spot. I would not want a cheese grater raking that area of my face. No, it's, I don't want a cheese grater raking any part of my body. Much I mean, less I, my face. Yeah, I realized as I said it, I'm like, well, where would you want the cheese grater to I rake guess, you? No, I, I mean, yeah, playing a game. I guess if you had to have one, do mm-hmm. your ass. I, I was about to say my buttocks as well. Yay! Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cheese grater twins. Well, because it's just kind of like a fatty deposit, right? Like, yeah. I guess it would hurt to sit on for a while, but... Oh, oh fuck. Oh, yeah, maybe your calf. Nah, that's fine. The butt. <laughs> <laughs> buttocks. Buttocks. For Amos. <laughs> yeah. Amos's buttocks. <laughs> Subtitle of this episode. There you go. So they end up getting away. They discover Officer Grayson's body in the shower. He is fully dead. Okay, but like a great bit of physical comedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As he has a corkscrew in the back of his neck, and yeah. we've just got Kylie instead trying of trying to yank it out. Well, because she's not. She needs to twist it, and she's just she's just yanking <laughs> this guy's body. <laughs> See, trying to pull the corkscrew it's out. It's so rude watching her just like jerk this body up and down <laughs> with a corkscrew. Ah, so good. So good. Yes. So this is when Dennis begins to saw through the door, except then the power goes out. So his power saw doesn't work anymore. Okay. So, okay. So, so you mentioned before we started recording, you were like, because the movie is long. It's an hour and 52 minutes. Mm-hmm. And how... The end kind of goes on and on. I, I actually disagree because I okay. do like this. I mean... Oh, I'm not saying I dislike it. I'm just saying that it it feels like you get to a certain point where you think the movie will end and then it keeps going. And all of the mm. goings are still good, but it's hard to sustain this level of tension and adrenaline for so long. I can see that. I think for me, I mean, it's just because I... I, I mean, I, I know you do too, but we, I, we have that affinity for slashers. So like... Yeah. That this supernatural horror comedy became a slasher film in its final 15 minutes. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I, I am in. Yeah. And there, there is so much good stuff. So he manages to get the door open and Kylie weaponizes hairspray, as you do, with a little bit of flame. <laughs> See, bigger budget. We could have gotten a bigger effect with this, but I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, everything looks good. I... You mentioned earlier about the editing. I will also give credit to the sound design and how it mm-hmm. works with the editing because a lot of these hits and these pain points feel real. So yeah. there's this moment where, you know, Eugene actually beckons them from, I think it's like from under the sink, the cabinet. And Miriam goes in and Kylie is trying to get in behind her and she gets stabbed in the leg by Dennis. And I fucking feel that knife in the leg wound so strongly also the fact that we've got that happening but moments earlier miriam kind of gets stuck and she just goes i can't help it kylie i'm bottom heavy all right oh move your fat ass mom (laughs) (laughs) life and dust stakes but we're gonna pause so we can talk about a fat ass joke yes love it so this is when amos arrives to help and you think okay great Uh, oh (laughs) he's gonna be okay uh he's gonna save the day or do something and he ends up getting stabbed but he also inadvertently provides dennis with a way to track them because of course he's got the ankle monitor okay but there's a really funny moment when when dennis is trying to like open the door Mm -hmm. and he's like oh i need something to pry it open and he just turns around and like dennis is there with the knife ready to stab and he goes oh Mm -hmm. thanks and just grabs the knife (laughs) (laughs) 
Dennis is a surprisingly brutal killer. Like, he has actually dispatched quite a few people, and mm-hmm. yet the physical comedy bits involving altercations with various members of this group is... <laughs> he He's kind of a joke at the same time. Yes. Yes. Like, he's capable of killing, he's just <laughs> not good when... He's not good at improvising. No, you very much get the impression he's a bit of a planner, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I, I get it. I mean, I'm the same way. <laughs> when you're planning to kill people, you're... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, the women are more or less safely in the walls, so as Dennis begins to break through, uh, they follow Eugene to his lair, This is where Kylie gets her one last kind of shit moment where she actually accuses Eugene of all of this. And and so this is I mean, maybe maybe this is the issue. I like this scene a lot, but it is dividing. Mm -hmm. um, Like we're we're taking a breath between the antics of the climax. But it works because we learn officially now that, yeah, Eugene is benevolent Mm -hmm. and helpful and very misunderstood. Like Kylie herself. And this is something that we haven't really talked about, but it is horror queers. We do a lot of queer reading. So mm-hmm. I don't know that I 100% read Eugene as queer, but this movie is filled with outsiders who have that kind of queer isolationist component right. to them, right? Like Kylie's very afraid of letting people get close to her. We actually don't know the nature of her relationship with the dude from the beginning whether it was romantic or if they were just partners in crime so there's there's no sexually coded relationships except between miriam and graham mm-hmm. so i i think you could see eugene observing slash stalking kylie but i have actually always seen it as he's a bit of a queer figure who sought refuge right. and made friends with the girl on the other side of the wall and then she went away and left him, and he just never moved on. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, because he is not, the word isn't used, but no. he's very much kind of a savant in that regard. A little bit. I mean, he's described as a genius, yeah. Yes, and I mean, I, I kind of read it as more he might be like on the spectrum type thing, but again, like it's like the ball. Mm-hmm. But I get what you're saying, like you know, your queer isolationist like aspect, like, I, yes, I, I can 100% see that reading applied to this character. Yeah. And this is a surprisingly sweet moment where he mm-hmm. walks through his relationship to Kylie. In a way, it's almost to prove that he's not a weirdo or he's not threatening. You said he's benevolent. And in this way, he he kind of comes off as a guardian angel. So he's been watching her all of her life. Yeah. He's got these gorgeous art drawings of her. Well, because this this works so well because it not only is it is endearing us to Eugene, mm-hmm. but it's also like making Kylie realize how horrible she was to her mother. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's that one where she where she's, like, leaving home and her mom mm-hmm. is standing in the background, like, where you... That's the one where it's like, oh, shit, man. Yep. Like, tugging on the heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Oh, this woman that you've been fighting with over petty shit the whole movie? Yeah, she really fucking loves you and you hurt her. Oh, it's so good. I love yeah. it. So, this is all great. It's emotional stuff. It's character development. So, naturally, Eugene then gets impaled through the wall <laughs> by Dennis. The, 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 I, I definitely gasped the first time I saw this because mm-hmm. I was like, no! <laughs> I just got to know you. I like you. What? Wait, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. yeah. So, Dennis has this line where he talks about, you have no idea how frustrating it is when you're trying to help someone and they throw it right back in your face. And what does Kylie do, Trace? 
She throws piss in his face. <laughs> yep, she sure fucking does. <laughs> Big old bucket of piss. Oh, it's so good. It's so fucking good. <laughs> so she and Miriam make a break for it. They end up climbing up to the roof. So they go through. It's a very black Xmas. They climb all the way up. <laughs> Get up onto that roof, and uh, the ankle monitor comes into play one last time where you think it's going to give Kylie away because, of course, she's left the acceptable periphery. Right. So he thinks that he's tracking her. They end up managing to kick him off, and he has seemingly died in the fall. So, yeah, <laughs> is this where it is where, you're like, oh, you think we think we're done now? Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I think this is where a lot of people, the first time they see it, kind of check out because there is that moment of deflation. You, we pause yeah. to see his body from the bird's eye view. He looks very dead. We're back in the kitchen. It's kind of the after. Let's get into the denouement where we wrap right. things up and everybody's happy. And then all of a sudden, Dennis is back. <laughs> <laughs> not only is he not dead, he knocks Kylie out and he begins choking Miriam with the phone cord. Very Halloween. A little bit. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> but then we have the return of Chekhov's meat fork. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. I will say I love the moment where Eugene <laughs> stretches his hand out. This is the other time where to we needed Kylie. the lady hand. And just, yeah, a gentle little tap on the head for Kylie to wake her up. <laughs> and then a passing of the meat fork over. <laughs> so she jams that motherfucker right up through Dennis's chin. He stumbles back, and then we see that the meat fork is actually attached to the unstable wiring in the house. <laughs> and Eugene just lights that motherfucker. That head explodes all over Miriam and Kylie. So not only do we get this great shot of them just covered in blood, mm -hmm. Dennis's dental plate yes! also flew into Kylie's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so she has to spit it out. <laughs> I will tell you right now, I would have vomited. Oh, so hard. Rose. Brian was like, oh, how come she didn't get anything on her? And then I was like, wait. Wait And then for she it. spits it out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love this kind of stuff. And yeah. it reminds me of some of the tonal inflection. I'm going to do it now, Chase. It reminds me a little bit of Spontaneous, where... The, the movie oh. where all of the kids were just exploding and people kept getting unexpectedly covered in blood because Miriam is just coded in Dennis. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, mm, thanks for bringing up that movie. But yes, a uh, great movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's OK. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you're, you're very correct. And again, I mean, like, like what I was saying earlier of how, um, oh, like the, with the fire with a better budget, like I, I just mm -hmm. imagine like, you know, the makeup work to have Dennis like have this like really scarred up face for the big climax, but uh, we just don't okay. have the budget for that. Yeah, that is fair. Mm -hmm. But what we do have the budget for is this headless dummy oh. <laughs> that is spurting blood out of the neck wound. Yeah, I really don't know if it's a matter of, oh, we didn't have money for the other thing so that we could save it for this. But if that it's is the it. case, this, yeah, 100% yeah, worth for it. For sure. So that is the end of Dennis this time. We jump ahead seven months and everyone, including Graham and Amos, everybody's still alive. They <laughs> gather to record the removal of Kylie's ankle bracelet. And uh, we're actually seeing this in a kind of found footage way because uh, <laughs> the actress who's playing Miriam was apparently her schedule was a little challenging so she wasn't always available to be on set at this point mm. we didn't mention it off the top but this movie took three years to make right right sorry that was my bad for my production 
<laughs> it just it, it's one of those things where you've got a little bit of money and you've got game actors and you film it on weekends or when people are available but apparently people have said oh if you look at some of the inserts in the reshoots you can see that like the hair on the main actresses is changing because they didn't color it or they had gotten it cut and i was like i'm not noticing that like i'm sure it's there but i'm so sucked into the movie i don't see it yeah yeah not at all so then the camera dies before we can get the removal of the ankle bracelet and when kylie realizes that it's because it wasn't charged she yells at eugene and we cut to credits i i love that i actually wanted to see eugene in this final moment but um i love it yeah we have this new status quo for the family it's like Mm -hmm. yeah they live there and they have eugene in the house and they probably feed him a lot yeah, right. And and to me, again, if I'm going to push my queer agenda a little bit further, we've now got a very untraditional family that is yes, living in this look house. At you. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. This and is their chosen makes four <laughs> chosen family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I love this idea that you know. Is Eugene okay? Like, should all of these people get therapy? Like in most horror films, the answer is always yes. They should Probably definitely yeah. speak to someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, admittedly, I think Kylie's going to have some difficulty trusting a new counselor considering what Dennis put her through. But uh, <laughs> it, it's fun to think of these people forming a kinship with Eugene and hopefully one day he moves out of the walls and into a proper bedroom. I mean, that's the thing too. Is like, yeah, obviously, obviously the movie is over. Like, like but mm-hmm. I would have watched, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I, I would have watched more time with them, like just seeing what their life is like now. Cause I just, it's so sweet. Mm-hmm. Well, it was funny though, because I, so I read a birth movies, death review of the film and they actually said that this ending was dumb because it felt like it should have had a 1980s sitcom freeze frame with a sax phone outro and i just thought okay wow someone really didn't connect with this emotionally because i find this so fucking heartwarming that almost feels like a dig though at the director's previous work in tv and sitcoms like and maybe that wasn't intentional but it's like also who cares like what Mm -hmm. what does it matter like honestly if it had ended with that i would have been like haha look it's a funny joke exactly yeah it's the kind of movie that i think even could have pulled that off tonally Yes, absolutely. Like, yeah, you get this like meta, like, oh, it's been a sitcom the whole mm-hmm. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess there's there's one final piece that I meant to reference earlier and I forgot, which is that this movie does the opposite of what we like when we talk about things like Scream and Wes Craven films, where I, this movie doesn't have an interest in helping us with the geography of the house. Mm-hmm. But I actually think it's to the film's strengths because it's good that we get lost and we don't always know where we are because when they go into the walls that's that's really what this house is right like yeah it's it's like it's a maze so the house mm -hmm. itself both the actual house and the behind the wall stuff it should be a maze as well exactly yeah yeah um well yeah that is housebound everybody and actually before we do final thoughts i do want to mention one thing so Mm -hmm. director gerard johnstone hasn't really done a lot at least in terms of films since this came out yeah he's attached to one so let me drop some details one at a time Mm. so he has a movie coming out this year supposedly 2022 it is a blumhouse produced film oh it is called megan with a three for the e (laughs) okay it is, uh, it's a horror thriller in which a robotics engineer, played by Allison Williams, oh. she's at a toy company and she builds a lifelike doll that begins to take on a life of its own, yes. but it is written by Akilah Cooper, aka the screenwriter of Malignant. 
what the shit (laughs) holy fuck and then I guess there's no release date and we don't have any more information. Correct. It is apparently in post-production right now and it's expected 2022. So I guess Ooh. it has been filmed. But um, Okay, that is exciting. Blumhouse, this Gerard Johnstone, Allison Williams starring, the screenwriter of Malignant. Like, inject this into my eyeballs right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Holy, did that ever just skyrocket to the top of my must-watch list? <laughs> so everyone be on the lookout for Megan coming out later this year. Hopefully. Uh, and maybe with a better title, because that title maybe is so. not doing it for me. Mithrigan. <laughs> ah, the Mithriganing. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so final thoughts on Housebound. I mean, this has been a relatively light episode for us in terms of analysis, because <laughs> honestly, I mean, whatever, y'all. This movie's fun as hell, and I just like talking about it. Yeah, and honestly, if you, <laughs> if you haven't seen the film and you like the other references, then definitely check it out. But I would say vice versa. You name-dropped a movie called extraordinary Mm. early on i feel like that is actually another film that we could cover in this series down the road because it is also underseen but not underrated and i think that those two films like that one is actually properly spectral and supernatural but so fucking funny but like dumb funny in all the right ways what a great devil bill that would be oh yeah the humor is very similar um the the, the lead in extraordinary is very similar to miriam and housebound so mm-hmm. very yeah hard agree on that um if y'all just want a fun little night at the movies in your own home please double feature these <laughs> they're great <laughs> yes indeed but honestly housebound just such a fucking joy it actually crushed my soul when I saw that he didn't have any other films. Like, he's he's been working on some genre TV in New Zealand, right. so good for him. Hopefully he's making money. But, wow, is that exciting that he's going to be coming back to features because this this film is such a fucking slam dunk. I mean, th- th- that's the thing. This is his feature directorial debut, and this is a the, like, the work of a really strong filmmaker uh, and screenwriter, yes. mind you. Mm-hmm. He also wrote the screenplay. So polished. Like, this film looks so good. Yeah. So, I mean, look, whatever. We're, we're, we're done. Mm-hmm. We're done. <laughs> like, we'll, stop, we'll stop praising this film. That's amazing. <laughs> it deserves all the praise. Um, but yes, everyone, if you haven't seen Housebound, please go seek it out. But if you have seen it, we hope you enjoyed our episode on it because... Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't really imagine another time when we would cover this film because it doesn't yeah. really fit our M.O., Mm-mm. but... Well, and and really, there were probably other films... I mean, people saw the other films that we could have covered mm-hmm. that we teased. Those were probably all better fits for what we normally do, but we just needed to give this film the love. Yeah, I, I want more people to watch this, so yeah. I really, really hope people seek it out. Mm-hmm. But if you want to seek us out, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at HorrorQueers. Uh, join our Facebook HorrorQueers group to hang out with other listeners. Find us on Letterboxd, keep track of all the films we've covered. And of course, go to our YouTube channel to check out our HorrorQueers hangouts and uh, the occasional interview. We've got an interview with Carter Smith, director of The Ruins, on there right now. Yeah. If you have a moment, please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. Of course, you can now review us on Spotify. And we would still love Apple Podcast reviews. Um... Uh, you know, give us some love there for the new year. Yeah, combat that one person who gave us one star because they said I was racist to white people. I know, I (laughs) really... 
Yes, that one. Um, please go help bury that review. If you want even more Horror Queers content, please support the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash horrorqueers. Um, we're at the end of January, so if you go subscribe now, you'll have our uh, results of the 2021 Hereditaries, our horror version of the Oscars. You'll have episodes on See For Me and Last Night in Soho and Scream, as well as our audio commentary on Psycho Goreman. Yeah, there's another film that uh, fits this bill, right? Like wackadoodle yes. comedy horror. Absolutely. Um, but Joe, mm-hmm. okay, we're going into, uh, well, what is our next entry in our underseen or <laughs> underrated series? Because I can tell you right now, I am so fucking excited, A, to cover this movie, but mm-hmm. also for you to finally see this movie. Indeed, yeah. We're going into a new month. We're advancing the dial another year, so we're up to 2015. This is a film I've never seen before that people will not shut the fuck up about. <laughs> That's all I'm going to tease. But Trace, if people are playing the guess along game, and obviously, folks, we will reveal the film in question on Friday on our social medias. But is this a festival release or is this a actual release? Yes. So this is a 2015 festival release. And I'm not going to say the actual year, but I will tell you it was definitely not 2015. Okay. So yeah, make sure you it is a 2015 festival release, not wide release. So if you're doing some hunting and digging, just make sure you're aware of that. All right. Best of hunting. Yep. Until next week when we cover... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can cross out housebound. Indeed. I'm going to go practice a cheese grater on my buttocks and see how it feels. Gross. But uh, yeah, cross out horror course. Thank you.